Welcome to the Be Free RE podcast, where you learn how to make your job optional. I'm your host, John, who's just getting started on his journey. But in the last year, I moved across the country, bought four apartments, make money as a landlord, no longer pay rent, and I have my first child. I'm joined by your co-host and my guide, Tony Angotti, who in five years quit his job and now manages over 80 units through a combination of house hacks, flips, and partnerships. So with that, let's jump into how you can do less of what you have to do and more of what you want to do. All right, Tony, welcome back. Hello. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) How are things for you, man? I am not very happy right now. Well, tell me about your possum issue. I found out that in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and some other state, Zilla wants to start charging $10 per rental listing per week for you to keep their rental listing on their site. Hmm. What a ridiculous money grab for like the greediest company in real estate. <laughs> so I've been telling everyone that I know, stop posting your stuff on Zillow. We get way better leads from other sites anyway and if you can if you pay to do that all you're doing is making that the norm so if you actually give zillow your business and pay them to post your rental lead because you think oh it's just one property and i have all these other sources then what's going to happen is that every other source is also going to start charging to post your rental listings and zillow profits enough off of that garbage anyway because they collect the leads the leads eventually turn into buyer leads for houses. They have agent marketing that they do for people that are reaching out. They have, they have money lots of different ways coming from the same resource. So if you're tempted to pay them $10 per property per week, just don't. We get way better leads from Facebook Marketplace anyway. Pay the money that you would pay Zillow for rental listings just to get professional pictures taken of your rentals post them on facebook marketplace post them on zumper post them on apartments.com post them on cozy and syndicate out to a realtor and the other one even have a realtor post them on the mls for you because i would rather pay that because it syndicates out to everything than pay zillow i'm a realtor so i have a natural uh hatred of Zillow, I guess. I was going to avoid that word, but I really don't like Zillow, so um, whatever. But then this was just, as a landlord, like the icing on the cake. So it's almost like a public service announcement. Unless you want to have to pay to post your rentals everywhere, don't buy into this. And do all those other sites. If you want to call in, 412-212-8366, ask all your questions about marketing rentals, I'll answer them. We maintain less than... I believe our effective vacancy is less than 3% because of how we market our stuff and when we market it and everything. So call in, ask a question. I'll tell you all of the secrets and how to do it for free. Just ask your questions and we'll do that because I really don't want to have to start paying money just to market rentals. Boom. That's that. That's got me fired yeah, up. Yeah, what can I add to that? It does seem pretty stupid that uh, like the longer it stays on their site, the more I have to pay. It, that feels like, right? like, you know, I don't know. They're also making money on the, uh, the credit apps, credit and background checks. Like they charge for that. They make money on that if you use their rental platform. So it's really stupid. And if Realtor.com and Redfin are smart about this, they're just going to keep theirs free and they're going to market to landlords and they're going to take all these people using Zillow as the platform. Mm. And I, I would love to see that happen because Zillow is like 
greedy, 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 and I don't know, could go on a whole long, long list of Zillow bashing if I wanted to, but I won't, I won't do that. Okay. Well, we'll save that for another episode. I am curious, but uh, I'm not sure everyone else. Curious about what? Uh, particularly why as a realtor you hate Zillow so much compared to like Redfin or, you know, do you just get a whole bunch of inbound garbage from them? Um, Zillow, so they've started a whole bunch of programs to almost try to like take a lot more transactions direct and sort of phase out realtors yeah. which they're all trying to do that of ev- yeah eventually it will happen i don't think it, the, anyone will ever replace good realtors agreed but eventually they'll phase out like the kind of lockbox only key type realtors the ones who don't know anything more than you they just have a lockbox key um a lot of those agents will get phased out but um the other thing too is like they only have a business because the multi lists, all the different MLSs, give Zillow the information to then post. So like they take all of their data from our multi list, and then they sell you on like just a few leads, and then at the same time they're taking the money that we pay them as realtors on lead generation, and they're then using that money to find ways to phase out realtors. So it's like, yeah, got it. It's silly to me that as an industry, we continue to pay them for lead generation. Um, when I've done the Zillow leads, you can spend the same amount of money and generate way better leads than Zillow anyway. But um, I don't know. I could go on and on and on, but I'll just I'll stop there. Yeah, we'll jump into some questions. So we have, we have <laughs> right. actually, we have a question about COVID. So just to kind of date this, uh, we're kind of in what I would call the second wave in certain parts of the country. So we have uh, Duke calling in about some COVID questions. And then we're going to get a question from the mailbag about uh, preferences for washers or dryers. So with that, let's jump into Duke first. Hi, this is Duke Ong from Honolulu, Hawaii, and I had a question about COVID-19. I'm wondering how you guys are handling um, the potential loss of rent from tenants in the next few months and how your business is coping, uh, what strategies you're employing um, to respond. Thanks. Yeah, so I guess actually following up on the last conversation, Um, because when we last talked about this, everything was way more up in the air. And I think right now there's a lot more clarity. I mean, stuff is still, we're in July now and prior we were right at the, the last COVID question we handled was right at the beginning. Um, and what I said before about what I was going to do is kind of what we implemented. We sent letters proactively to tenants that said, if you lose your job or have issues, here's assistance programs you can talk to. We had a phase down approach. Um, if people want to email the show, I'll send them my letters and things. I posted it up on Bigger Pockets. I don't care to share. I mean, I can share it with whoever wants to reach out to us um, that way. But we basically provided our tenants with options beyond just straight up don't pay. Um, like we didn't jump right to the whole rent forgiveness, rent forbearance, whatever. We tried to get find them ways to get money. And we were pretty successful in doing that. We didn't have a lot of tenants that um, needed to, but a few of the ones that we did, we directed them to the United Way, and the United Way connected them with with assistance programs to help pay whatever rent was owed from when they lost their job. 
And that, that got them through to whenever they started collecting unemployment. And at least in Pittsburgh, where our rent isn't super high, I found that that extra $600 a week from the federal government, plus the stimulus, plus the regular state unemployment benefit, our rent has actually been where this is one of the few times ever in my personal portfolio where I've been at 100% on time payments <laughs> multiple months. Yeah. And it's like the people just have so much more money right now not working. Um, if this continues and we have a second wave and a third wave and whatever, and unemployment runs out or something, I mean, the government will probably just print more money, whatever. But uh, that's a long-term issue. In the immediate, it won't kill me. But um, if they don't and unemployment runs out, then we have a whole different conversation. But I think that as business start starts to return slowly, and I've seen a lot of our tenants too who were servers They've just shifted to different jobs. They're either like delivering packages now mm -hmm. or they've shifted to like DoorDash or Grubhub or whatever. So they've kind of returned to sort of work um, or they're just collecting unemployment and that's working out for them. But I think that right now sort of directing the tenants to assistance programs if they need it was very effective and will continue to be effective. And then also... Um, making sure that your tenants even know how to apply for unemployment because we had a few tenants who just didn't even apply and thankfully well sort of thankfully i was out of work for a while as a realtor and they opened up unemployment to me so i had to go through the state's horrible stupid system and i still haven't followed up they owe me like five grand and i still just haven't been motivated enough to call the line and sit on hold for like 10 hours um but I went through the process, so then I understood exactly what my tenants needed to do to also go through the process. And um, that's, you know, being prepared that way has been really useful. Did any of your tenants, John, did you have any issues? We didn't, but we did pretty much the same. You know, we reached out proactively. Uh, we did not want them to, like, just not tell us and then not pay. So we tried to be proactive and understand what was coming down so that we could be prepared, both from, like, a cash cash position as well as uh uh just in terms of like you know are we gonna have to go into mortgage forbearance or anything like that but in general uh we've been super lucky all our tenants were totally okay and, and like responsible and i think in general the uh i don't know if people have extra money but like it's shifted people into this mindset of a little more conservative with their spending and like they've moved more into the more into the needs and less into the wants. And I feel like that is actually like, you know, sort of to agree with you on that point, it feels like uh, just that shift in mentality has helped uh, up until now. And then I, I kind of agree, like if we keep seeing this, there is going to be some fallout. You know, it's just, it's, it's inevitable at some point uh, if this keeps going on, everybody who's in the service business, like, you know, if you're a person, you know, if you're a personal trainer, for example, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a completely different, uh, you need a, a different, uh, skill set to make money right now. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's been, uh, and then I guess on sort of switching gears from like the, how to collect rent side and into like looking at the market. I mean, here in Pittsburgh, I mean, it's almost like, uh, everything's up. It's worse. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're a buyer, you're it's a buyer, worse than it was worse. before. So it's you know it's almost like there's been like a capital flight into fixed assets like real estate. Uh, we've yep. we've looked at the rental markets, but they're all pretty, uh, or the vacation markets, but they're all pretty strong still. 
but there's definitely more transactions that have happened there, people who were renting. But, you know, it's not like, you know, these aren't like distressed really sales, you know, they're just kind of flat to slightly up kind of stuff, you know, so it's, I don't know. I haven't found like, there's no $100 bills on the street, so to speak, you know what I mean? Uh, I think that the only thing is when a lot of these forbearance periods come up. Yeah. That's still the only thing I think might push some people, but total market wise, I don't think that's going to hit everybody all that bad. I just, a lot of this is that no one was able to go look for properties while COVID was going on, like while we were shut down and then everybody was released at once. And then it was kind of like, now there's hyper demand and still pretty much the same supply. And then on top of that, you have people who don't want to sell their real estate because a lot of people that have rental real estate are thinking like, this is the only part of my investment portfolio that's actually doing pretty well. Even though the stock market started to return, it's definitely ludicrously volatile right now. Like one day it's up 500, the next day it's down 400, it's up 600, it's down three, like swings of hundreds of points every day, which is because the stock market is detached from reality. Well, it's also at this like point. the only business that's not shutting down at all. Like people are still living places. <laughs> you know, like Yeah, pretty much. You know. And so people don't really want to sell. Um so there's just a ton of demand and that's kept things up. I don't know when that will go away because interest rates are super low. Yeah. So that brings more money in too. And I know that like we're buying a um a 12 unit building right now and when we refinanced our last building our commercial lender with the particular bank said our rates will never drop below four that's our floor <laughs> and then we now went and they took it to committee and he offered us a 3.6 interest wow. rate which on which on a commercial loan is like on it's just ludicrous yeah. like that's unheard of i i mean four is unheard of and less than four is like nuts so i don't know what deal they're getting but it's pretty good yeah it's a it's an interesting time uh the refinance thing is definitely an option i i would agree there or just favorable financing in your situation and then i think the other flip side is uh like maybe in college towns it's not 100 percent clear to me some schools are going back some aren't so that'll be another interesting area to watch out for if people need to release some of their properties now that students aren't going to be coming back uh the, the yeah, downside is those point. guys are crushing it so hard usually it's hard for me to imagine any of them not being able to survive like one year but it's possible it's possible i suppose so True. those would be the places well not i would be looking those are the places we are looking or th- where we are thinking so nice yeah that's something uh Well, that's the state of the COVID right now. Yeah, it's kind of no real news, really, right? I mean, if I had to, like, stand on one foot and summarize, it would be like, you know, there's really not, you know. Same as it ever was. kind of, you know. At least for real estate. Real estate is pretty much same as it ever was. For real estate. Same as it ever was. (laughs) And I find myself. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there we go. Yeah okay talking heads reference yeah this must be the place that's what we are we're talking heads right now except we're not on tv so you can't see us yeah you're david byrne and i'm i'm that girl who plays a triangle uh there you go uh stop making sense all right all right so let's jump into the mailbag 
we have a question from WXL who's saying, I'm looking to purchase, I, I just do people's initials because I feel like that's, uh, anyway, I'm looking to purchase. You missed the opportunity though. We're supposed to guess where they're from. Where do you think that WXL is from? Well, I know this person's in New York State. If you want to guess the city, you can, you uh, can guess. They're from Rochester. Rochester. Wow. Yeah. Cold. There you go. I'll say, uh, uh, I'll say Stony Brook. All right. Okay, nice. I'm looking to purchase a washer and dryer to put in a storage room for a common use three-family rental. Any recommendations on reliable makes and models? Okay. So they said three-family, which makes me excited. <laughs> because the best thing that we do is your most reliable washer and dryer is the one that you do not have to maintain. So don't worry about the make and model. Go to a company that does coin-op laundry and will just put them in your building for you. And they do everything. And that the service is there for the tenants, but you don't have to do it. And our particular vendor only does them for three-unit buildings and above. We split the revenue with them half and half. That company goes, their number, their phone number is on the machine. It says right there, if you have issues with the machine, call this number, not your landlord. Basically like a vending machine, any vandalism that happens, any damages, any anything, it's on the laundry company. So when tenants call me and say, hey, the coin slot is jammed or hey, it's not drying my clothes, I just wipe my hands of it and say, call the laundry company. And that's that. So my advice is, mm -hmm. who cares what the make and model is? That's not your problem. Outsource it because nobody wants to deal with washers and dryers. They suck. Yeah, that's that. So how do you? But how I, do you find a good? Go how do you find a good one of those? There's usually not that many of them. <laughs> so like in Pittsburgh, there's like two of them. Mm. So we just call the one that we always call. Um, the way that we found them in the first place, though, was just other investors. So I just asked other people in the area, like, who do you know that does coin-op laundry? Because I don't want to own the machines. I don't want to drive there every month and collect the coins and all that kind of stuff. Um, so people let us know. And splitting it half and half with the vendor works to kind of cover the water and heating bill for the dryer. So, like, it evens out that way. We don't really profit probably from it, but I don't look at laundry as a revenue center i just look at it as yeah. there so that the tenants have laundry on site yeah it's a it's it boosts your rent i agree with that uh wow that's well that's a very interesting perspective that i wouldn't have had before uh interesting so for us i would recommend from the washer side uh something that's older and not one of these new front loaders so try and get a top loader if you can um and for a dryer uh we're pretty steadfast on the Kenmore's. Um, you're not going to find a top loader dryer, so that's only a washer. Um, and that would be my recommendation. I'm trying to think what we use for our washers. I want to say Whirlpool, but the, probably the pro, pro trip is if you're not doing what Tony's doing, do take a screen, like take a little picture of your make and model so that when it does die one day, you can call up the service tech and let them know exactly what's going on. And then they can show up with the parts they need and uh, anything like that. So, uh, try. I have another tip All right. on washer and dryers. If you have a less than a three unit building, the make and model of washer and dryer you should be selecting is whichever one your tenant buys, <laughs> because you should not be owning the washer or dryer. 
So here's a fun fact. About three or four months ago, we had a dryer fire in our basement. And guess whose responsibility it was? Oh. To fix all that. The tenant's renter's insurance. You know why? Because it was their dryer. If it would have been our dryer, it would have fallen on our homeowner's insurance. And apparently dryer fires are way more common than you would think. I have some buddies who are all firefighters, and they say that it's almost always people do not clean out the flexible pipe that goes to the the window. And I'll be honest, I don't clean that pipe out either. So, um, but if it's their machine, then the responsibility falls on them for anything that happens. And the maintenance and everything like that so we um i would rather spend the money on getting a second outlet or running new plumbing lines than buying washers and dryers just make the tenants do that stuff hmm. just tell them those hookups wow yeah. okay uh those are the pro tips I've, I've had washers and dryers i hate it you get calls about them and it just falls into that category of stupid things that the more amenities you add the more phone calls you get yeah. like well, that's true garbage disposals and water lines to refrigerators and washers and dryers are on that list too so yeah that is what it is okay well that's pretty good so to kind of recap our episode we basically talked about covid uh sort of in the second wave context uh tony shared that he proactively reached out to tenants kind of had a playbook for you know, how do we not start at, hey, I can't pay? Uh, I believe United Way was the name of the company or the organization that you directed people to. And then you uh, firsthand understood the experience and of applying for uh, unemployment. So you use that kind of knowledge to kind of guide people and encourage them to actually apply. Um, in terms of market acquisition opportunities, I think both of us are saying we're not seeing a ton of change there still a seller's market um i would look in the vacation markets and maybe consider some of the college markets depending if the school is having people return or not then we walked into washers and dryers tony strongly recommends not owning them so if you have if you can try and go with a coin op company and do a revenue split uh and if you can't then try and just have your tenant own them and uh, the main appeal to that is less headaches and then also you want those renters insurance to be responsible for any kind of misuse of the washer and dryer sound good rundown there yes let's say that when it comes to rentals tony does not recommend owning washers and dryers because when it comes to your personal house i'm a strong advocate of owning a washer and dryer Uh, fair enough uh i would never talk about your personal life on this show there there you go um i do that enough yeah so with that i'm gonna roll into what i learned this week because it's has to do with washers and dryers and it would be if you have a washer and dryer in the basement of a unit even if it's your own house because that's the only way you would own a washer and dryer according to tony uh make sure you get the dimensions of the width because if you get something that's larger it might not go down the stairs or you might find yourself taking off a, a railing or you know navigating some nasty corners so Try and make sure that your uh, your width and your depth on your new machine is going to be ideally the same or less than what you've already got, just to save yourself a whole bunch of headaches. So yeah, that's what I got. I learned that uh, emotional support animal support, like in court, oh boy. is very um, not clear. In a local court, I was talking to my attorney, 
and he said that basically with the magistrate, the magistrate essentially admitted that they don't even understand the law. <laughs> and also recently in the news, a neighbor, so a landlord was required to put an emotional support dog into a property. Mm-hmm. And the neighbor sued the landlord because he was allergic to that person's dog, and they won. Who's they? The neighbor? The neighbor won. Oh, wow. Let me look up. I believe it was in Montana. Wow, that's surprising. Um, I think Montana would be a little more landlord-friendly. Yeah. Let's say Vermont. Let me... If you say Vermont, I would definitely believe you. <laughs> you think? Iowa. Sorry. Iowa, not Montana. Mm-hmm. Um. But and then basically, we also he also told me that in some areas or in some cases, people can actually self-diagnose themselves as requiring an emotional support animal. So like you can have somebody like a family member testify that you need it for some reason. You don't even need like a professional. So this whole area is so gray and I I don't know what a yeah what a mess what a mess indeed. But everyone hates landlords. I would remember that. <laughs> don't yeah, don't talk about evil. their animal. Don't talk about their support animals. Try and stay out of it. <laughs> <sighs> yes. So if you have an emotional support animal from a tenant that currently lives there or that is applying, <laughs> legally you pretty much just have to take it. Yeah. There's no uh, yeah. no way no way around it. I don't. I don't think. I don't know so. either there. That's as soon as we get one of those in on an application, it's like, oh, bummer. <laughs> so, yep. There that is. Okay. Well, yeah. Boy, we're really leaving on a positive note here. Good luck everybody there. En- enjoy your enjoy <laughs> your COVID and your, <laughs> your your court cases. Uh There you go. All right. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. That's it for this week's episode. Check us out on Instagram at vfreere, on the web at www.vfreere.com, and give us a call with your name, where you're calling from, and what your question is. 412-212-8366. Catch you next time.